So we get, I get four, and Ruby gets four. That's eight. But very good, Janie. My mom, my dad, Nate. That's three. I'm not gonna say Jaylis because she probably won't even go. She don't deserve one anyways. Um, then we're down to what, Janie? Huh? We're down to what? How many left? Uh, don't look off. Don't look up screen. <laughs> five. Oh, five. Yeah. Did she get that wrong? No, I she's talking about mine. Yeah. I get four and he gets four. So then we have I don't five know left. Mine will be used, so I can't say they're gonna be used or not because I think my mom's just gonna do a package. Yeah, deal. she better pay for your. So then we have five left. So then you can probably get one. You know, we can figure something out. Seth and Marissa, Albin and Shaylin. And so Albin and Shaylin can pay for the tickets. <laughs> I'm not going unless Auburn also goes for free. All right. Now you're asking for way too much. That is brotherhood. Yeah. If we can't get you complimentary tickets, we can go on a day that we're off. And anytime we, we're with you, you get discounted foods and merchandise and stuff like that. Discounted. Yeah. And look, look. And, and, and so uh, we'll even help out a little bit. You know, I go in one car, Ruby goes in the other. And that's free parking. If I show my badge, oh, you get free parking. Now you're in. Now we are you don't pay that three dollar charge. I'm in. <laughs> that ten twenty dollars for parking is steep, man. We, I'm yeah. I'm down. It's gross. Are you ready? Yeah. We're recording, so I'm. You know. As the cold open, we're, we're back now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Afro Latinos. This is your co host, Alvin, and your co host, Chandler. And today we have a very special returning guest, our good friend, Seth Spawnhouse, our first ever guest. Guest, wow, our first ever guest, Heck and yeah. now returning for uh, his second show of this podcast, I believe. Yeah. Um, Third show overall, although you did make a guest appearance with Kara, which was an Afro Latinos episode. So, uh, we'll, we'll give the, I forgot. And you were the first guests on uh, Afro Latinos and Amigos, Amigos, yeah, which exists. Oh, geez, <laughs> that was the one and only. Did I kill that show? No, we actually did like 30 episodes. <laughs> oh, no, we we did like 30 episodes. It just got to be you have that many amigos. No, that was, oh. why was that's why we stopped. No. Because it was a lot to schedule four shows in one week, and yeah. on top of that, you know, we had we 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 have not that many friends, so we were just we have listening. at least eight amigos, and we just repeated, you know, <laughs> yes. We, we, did, we, did, we did twenty episodes of Afro Latinos and Amigos. Wow. So, and I actually think there's twenty one because there's a missing episode that never got posted, and I don't know what happened to it, so it will never see the light of day. But. It wasn't I mine, like, was it? No, no, no. I did not like the episode anyway. I wasn't happy with it, so I'm glad it disappeared. It wasn't on purpose, but I'm not upset about it. All but right. anyway, we have brought our good friend Seth back uh, to talk about Lin-Manuel Miranda's movie, In the Heights. So, Seth, if this is the first time people have uh, ever seen you, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are, where you come from, what you do, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Well, my name is Seth Spothouse. I'm happy to be here again, gentlemen. Um, I was born on a cold, rainy Tuesday. Um, I don't know. I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm the executive director of the Community Theater League in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Chandler twice, two shows. Yes. And then Aubin, I directed in West Side Story the second time we produced it. 
and Cheney was also in that show somewhere. Oh, was nice. <laughs> I just can get in disrespect at every sentence that you say. I'm so I'm sorry, Cheney. Um, so I've had the pleasure of being the executive director here at CTL for the last three seasons. Um, and before that, I was our educational coordinator. Yeah, that's me. That's what's up. Sure. Well, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. So, so, so much moving happening on the screen. I wish I could, I wish we could, before we click the button, like determine where every box is going to go so you mm-hmm. don't have to and drag, you know? I got it's, you. It's, it's so shocking sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm not where I used to I be. I feel like I should be like looking up like this. <laughs> All right. Yes, and we should be looking down on you. But you're our friend, so we would never look down on you. Thank you. That's yeah. We got to respect our elders. You know? <laughs> I got your back, bro. I got you. I wore the flamingo shirt for you and everything. For me, but it's fine. I don't know. I felt like it was an Afro. Like I should wear the. I should dress up for today. I get it. You should. Should have been a cactus shirt. As I'm wearing a Dragon Ball Z shirt. Yeah, Chaney, I'm glad you dressed up for the occasion. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel under I gotta go into the closet. No, right. uh, yeah, I'll be back. The chain, I gotta... the chain on the t-shirt's a good look. The what? The chain on the t-shirt's a good look. Appreciate that. <laughs> I feel like I just bullied Chaney off of the go Change your shirt, get a new shirt, or grab a chain and put it on real quick. So <laughs> Wally's gone. He's a great kid. That is, that is hilarious. Yeah, we love him. We love when him. he comes back, I will never say that. But Okay, he probably can't hear you anyway. Oh, finally! <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's what it's about. You gotta change the name, too. You can't just be Chandler. Yeah, just change that. Change that real quick. For and you muted. She is. Oh, she's no oh I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> there you go. She's there she is. I was talking the whole time. <laughs> really? really? Yeah. I, I don't know how to change it. Ruby, have you been on camera for an Afro Latinos yet? No, I think you uh, one maybe. We not did Afro uh, Latinos, but for you think you know she's been. Oh yeah. They're all the same to me. But they're very different. What? What a true fan. All, I can't all, tell. I don't know. I don't know. All three shows are very different. Hey, I have my bumper sticker on my car with pride. There it is. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now don't tell him. Where is he? Did he just disappear? He went to go change his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ruby, while you're here, let's yes. let's your opinions on in the heights before you are silent off stage when changing. <laughs> Um, um, what are your opinions, your honest opinions over the movie? A, a lot of people were very excited. I was one of those people that were very excited about the show. Uh, love the music. Never seen an on-stage production of it, but I, you know, I, I heard the music several, several times. Uh, what is your opinions of the show? Well, I was also very excited, and I thought it was good, but I also think there wasn't as many Afro-Latinos as they, because... Like they're they are supposed to be Dominican, a lot of them, and you know a lot of Dominicans were played by Puerto Ricans, so that kind of makes a difference, you know. But I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. So. Now, did you did you notice that before the scuttlebutt? Because there is a lot of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, backlash about the movie regarding colorism and that concept, and we'll get into that a little bit yeah. later. Too. Um, but is that something that 
you noticed when you or through your first watch through, or is that something that you heard about and was like, oh yeah, that that's a, a good point. No, and I pointed it out as soon as I I remembered that Anthony Ramos is Puerto Rican and not Dominican, and he was like repping for Dominican Republic, and I was like, they could have got a Dominican actor, but he just got some sense and realized his island is not the better one, and and ours is. So I get it. I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah, but I did think it was. <laughs> he didn't really. He's back now. So. He's about to go put his wedding shirt on lock. He's gonna be in a suit. <laughs> in like a whole suit and tie. <laughs> he ran back. He'll, he'll be back again. <laughs> I should have said it out loud. Um, no. I'm trying to, there are really not that many. I'm looking on uh, IMDb at Dominican actors and actresses, and there actually are not that many Dominican no. actors that are famous. At least none yep. that would be able to play with Snobby. So I mean it might make sense in that turn in that case, you know, it casting might have been a sincere issue. Um if they were looking for, you know, someone who was of Dominican descent, that might have well, been different. I think that uh Lynn already had an idea that he kind of wanted Anthony to play Usnavi. He did play Usnavi in uh in the Kennedy Center, I think. And that's why he wanted him to play him in the movie. Because hmm. he saw him on stage playing Usnavi. He was like, I want that guy. Interesting. Yeah. Any, other, any other thoughts as Cheney is on his reprieve? Um, what's, what's your favorite moment in the movie? Favorite moment? Favorite song? One hmm. of I like... I like the 69G. I do like that one. I like the dancing 90, in that one. 96? 96, sorry. Yes, 96. <laughs> I like the dancing in that one. He's never watched or listened to the song. They they only say it. Well, I see. You like the, yeah, you when like I've the, seen the movie one. The train where they rap? Hmm? Nothing. No, she she really likes the one where they stand on the front of the stage. And, and say 525,600. In the spotlight. Yeah. 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 yeah, Jesse St. James is in there. Or, um, or that's not. Right. Jesse. No, Jesse Martin. Jesse Come Martin. on. Sorry, Jesse St. James. James is from Glee. From Glee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shows canceled. Martin. Sorry, I, I, knew it. I knew it. As soon as I said it, I knew I was wrong. I did not feel confident that it was coming out either. It's just like. Uh, okay, I think he's ready. Ready, uh, ready for us now? Ready for your grand appearance? Yeah, he's ready now. Six oh, G's is your favorite song. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Cheney. Now, Cheney, just do me a favor. Um, do not eat at all while you're in that no. shirt. Oh, I will it not touch anything. It's a little wrinkled. It already is wrinkled from the. But because he, he, this is first time he put it on. Yeah, at least it fits well. It does. It does. Nice I put it on. I was like, well, I might as well find out if it fits or not. Yeah, that's a good time to do it before the wedding. Yeah. Before the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. You can put a tie on. Cheney, I have your tie, in, by the way, in my car. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'll just, <laughs> uh, I'll grab it Saturday. When I pick you up Friday. Saturday, yeah. Friday, right. All right. Um, I so, need to hold on to it. He'll lose it. Yes, do that. I, that that means I'm not giving him the rings either because he's got to keep those safe. Too. Oh God! No, I I see. I lost mine already. Yeah, so. he did. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Not about my ring, but I will oh. make sure your rings are safe. You actually lost yours? He left it in his See, costume. See, what happened was... In the costume? I had, a, I had a costume, yeah, for the shoot that I was doing. And uh, <laughs> every day, I made sure to take it out, put it on, take it out, put it on, take it out, put it on. And the last day, we were all leaving. I was like, oh, my God, the guy got to do this. Everybody, well, I had to help, like, move all the stuff to the truck and whatnot. Um, and after we left, I was like, I left it in the thing and then went to New York. Never saw it again. This doesn't yeah. go here. Take Ruby, that off. You don't, Ruby, you don't believe that, do you? Come on now. <laughs> what, what the heck uh, else you got to do with it? We don't want to put you on blast, Bernie. We're not going to... Uh... We're not gonna put your business on the street. <laughs> T- take the black clip off. What do you? What is wrong with you? Have you never? I put it there. She put it there. Why? Because to pretend it's a Tyler. Oh, suspension of disbelief. Got it. Yeah. I look like I'm in a freaking thing of Shakespeare. A freaking thing of Shakespeare. A freaking yeah. thing of Shakespeare. A blank dickhead. Cut this out. Cut this out. This is all staying in the episode. Absolutely. Oh, God. As it should. As it should. (laughs) All right. Back to the conversation. Uh, Now that Chandler, he's officially Chandler now. He's no longer Chandler. He's dressed up. Uh, Now that we're all back, let's get started with the conversation. Continue the conversation on uh, In the Heights. Chaney, Seth, whoever wants to go first, what is your opinion of the movie? First, opinions only before we get into the fun conversation of colorism and the like. What were your first impressions of the movie and uh, how to make you feel? Go ahead, Cheney. Go ahead, Cheney. Take it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. <clears throat> so, I thought it was a cool little movie. It's the first time I ever heard anything from In the Heights. I, I know, like, I wait, no, that is the first time I've ever heard anything from In the Heights. I thought it was cool. I don't have it. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, and I know it's like, no matter how good the movie is, there's always somebody who's gonna have something that they didn't like or like, oh, some complaint about it. But I thought it was cool. I liked it. I did. Did you have a favorite uh, moment or song from the show? Moment is when they were talking about the flags and like that. They're on the back, like thinking. I like that song. I had to represent. A Puerto Rican flag. Other than that, yeah. Favorite song? Also that that song? That might be the favorite song. I didn't really... That's not, that's not a song that stuck out with me. Not yet, at least. Hmm. Once, I, once I watch it for like second, third time, maybe. Seth? Yeah, I, I like when they kid rap, though, in the, in the pool. Yeah, that was dope. You Cheney, make sure you ask Ruby what that song's called. 96 G. Definitely knows the answer. Most definitely knows the answer. Why? Right, it doesn't matter. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, <laughs> your thoughts. I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, oh, yeah. So I had I saw it closing week on Broadway. Wow. Um, and that was the only time. I didn't really like I think I talked last time when you asked me on about Hamilton that I said I liked it better than Hamilton. Oh, I absolutely like it better than Hamilton. Yeah. Did you see Hamilton on stage? I don't remember from no. I mean Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see it in New York or anything like that. Um 
I don't like 96,000. I think it's a boring song. Not my favorite song either. So it was an interesting choice for them to have said that as their favorite. So yeah, right? Both of them. I like it's not my favorite. I like the dancing in that one. I don't have a favorite. My favorite is that, the, is that the song that they were walking down the street and they were using like the graffiti stuff? Yes. Like the random cinematic. I'll, yeah. I'll say one thing for sure. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I've always enjoyed the music, and so it was very exciting to see on on the screen since I never got to see it on stage. But it had some very interesting and odd and random effects for seemingly zero reason. Um, like in '96, thousand those those things they were doing really didn't need to be done. It was just because it was a movie and they could. Um, the dancing on the side of the building. Oh, oh no. That took me so out of the whole scene. I was literally so confused. I'm like, what? What? They could have been standing on the rooftop and having that moment on the top of the roof, and it would have been equally as romantic and nonetheless not confusing as two human beings with no superpowers walking on the side of the building and dancing. Oh, the, the hilarious moment of the kid at the dining room table looking outside <laughs> and mouth drop was hilarious and appreciated that. But it's like, I know it's a musical. So in a, in a musical, we suspend belief a lot. Yeah. Um, but that, that might have been a, a stretch. Yeah, no, I thought so. And this was my, so having seen it on stage and having, I mean, remember, this was like, I graduated high school. So this was like my jam. Every car ride was in the Heights, mm-hmm. like back and forth to college and like all through college. Like, that's what I listen to. And that's, I think, why I enjoy it more than Hamilton. Because I feel like the story is stronger than any kind of story in Hamilton. I don't think there is a real strong story plot line there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what bothered me the most was it almost felt like a different show. Well, they the changed version. so much. And they took so much out. And Well, and, and I mean, not to, like, jump right into the, the colorism. But, I mean, there's a whole plot line in the stage show with Benny and Nina. Yeah. That, yeah. that Nina's father doesn't like the relationship because of Benny's race. Right. And exactly. so because, and I mean, Camilla, who is Nina's mother in the stage show, mm-hmm. has a great song in mm-hmm. the um, in the album. Mm-hmm. The fact that they cut her was just like My sister devastating was, to me. My sister was very upset that they I cut that song. So upset that Camilla was cut. Um, and I still haven't read like a really good reason as to why. Like, I think Camilla represents such a strong, um, like, we get Abuela Claudia being, like, the strong mother, but yet Camilla is, like, an actual, actual wow. mother family. Right. Like, I love that we get the Rosarios as a, as a really okay. respectable working family in that neighborhood. I mean, we don't have an example of that now because now Kevin is a single father raising a daughter, who, which is a completely different storyline than, than those two parents raising her. Um, but I mean, Benny and Nina is such an interesting story in the stage show because they, they're not just, and I think Lynn was quoted in an article just saying like, they're all good and they really are in the movie, like in 96 or in, um, uh, the car, the, the, the song that Cheney talked about, um, with the flags and, and in the the Uh, carnival de barrio. Yeah. They're talking about like them having sex and like her father walks into the scene, like, Two seconds before that, and like everyone's just cool with it, so it's like I don't yeah. know, yeah, it's very um, yeah, it, it, the changes 
I get why they were made. Like, I love the addition of the whole Dreamer plotline because I think that's really relevant. And I think had Lynn wrote the show 20 years later, I think he probably would have snuck that in there somewhere. Um, and I like the fact that in the last scene, you don't see um, why am I blanking on the character's name? Um, the cousin, the, the dreamer, the um, that uh, um, the younger Sonny. cousin, Sonny. Um, that you don't see him in the last, you don't see him in the last scene with the daughter, so you really don't know how that storyline ended. Um, which I think was smart to do. Um, so no, I, I thought it was a really, I thought it was a really entertaining two hours. I love, I, I love the music. I missed a lot of the songs. Pacencia Ife is always going to be my favorite song. Oh yeah, always hands down. I think it's a beautiful song. I was going to say that. Yeah, I think on stage it's still. When I saw it live, it's still the the best number I've ever seen performed ever. Hmm. And I got to see her because she's the original cast member, um, Olga. Olga who played in the movie? Yeah, she's the original. I thought her voice was so perfect for that that role, and I just could not tell if it was her or not. And they did. So the trick when she's in the subway, and then like they like cut, and then she's in Cuba with like the Mm -hmm. sepia tones and the costumes. They do that on stage, and it's so cool. They. Like she's standing there one minute in the street and everyone's walking by, and then like they basically turn around and everyone on stage has a co- like a quick change, and they're all in like 1920s attire, and you're immediately back. Like you're in the street and the set hasn't changed, but you're immediately back with her right. um, in Cuba, and then you go with her through like different decades to get back up. So I, yeah, I, that's always gonna be my favorite. Um, and I think it was really clever how they made that kind of her exit song, her de- mm-hmm. her death. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was that was clever. And that's what, like I can't be mad at any of the changes because I kind kind of see why, except for Camilla. I'm still like team. Camilla. Well, what's so interesting to me about the and we are jumping around a lot, but that would probably happen. What's so interesting to me is that that idea of colorism and the dark skin, light skin argument is so still relevant. Just like the DACA storyline, that stuff is still happening in real life right now. Like some family, their their sibling or their parents are not approving of their relationship because in even in the Hispanic community, you know, because one is dark skin and one is light skin. My grandfather, when he was in the Dominican Republic, dealt with the same thing. I my grandfather is dark skinned, darker skinned, closer to my complexion. Um, and then my grandmother is very, very light skinned. So there was an issue between their families when they were start like it. So it's not like this is an antiquated idea. It's still very recent. So that change to me, I think hurts the story a lot and really changes so much of the integrity of the show. So it's interesting. I would love to hear why Lynn decided that he wanted to make that change for the movie or whomever. Did he direct also? No, John Chu directed it. Okay. That's the guy who directed Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. I'm intrigued to see what that conversation was and why they were okay with that change because it it doesn't make a lot of sense for the movie to me but maybe there's something i'm missing yeah maybe i don't that one one of the other storylines was just too important or that maybe their story wasn't important enough i don't know i don't know and uh, that wasn't i'm trying to think of like um Every, that seems to be the biggest story in my mind at least the the killing off of camilla and then the benny and nina not really having any tension because you really like the scene where they're singing on the fire escape. You really didn't care right? because they were fine the whole movie. So I didn't care if they were like 
you kind of assume that they were going to be okay because mm. you didn't see them fight. Like, I don't think uh, the the Powerless song, the Fireworks song in the nightclub, I don't really think that hit like it's supposed to. Because at that point, that's the end of Act 1 on the stage show. So you're supposed to get all of this tension between Benny's supposed to be really angry at Nina because Nina's father just sold the company that he worked for and he couldn't get a job anywhere else. And now he's out of a job because of the girl that he likes. So you didn't get that at all because Benny kind of understood what Nina was. Right. Nina was signing or Benny was signing with Nina, which I understood, but then you lost that tension. Mm-hmm. Usnavi and Vanessa really weren't at odds with each other at all because they never really got together. Yeah. Right there in, this, in the club. You missed that tension altogether. We didn't get the, there's this whole um, real, real, real subplot of, um, Sonny protecting the bodega with a baseball bat and looters and all of that, which I think is still relevant because we see that argument every time there's a protest that goes goes a little too far or, or people show up at a protest and kind of get the protest blamed for violence. Um, so I think there there it just there are parts of it that didn't hit and weren't as powerful as I think that they could have been. Um, but again, like I loved like that we saw like Claudia now made all the food instead of Camilla. So we got mm-hmm. to see Abuela's house and we got to see the community coming in there. And there, there were moments that I really liked and then moments that I just think. Her, her death seemed an odd place. And I know that it, that's where it happens in the in the show. No, they moved it. Oh, no, 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 no. It is. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. But it in the movie, it came from you. you really saw. And I guess that's that it kind of explains the suddenness and why it hurts so much for the family. Yeah. But you, you don't really ever see any signs of her struggling. No. No. You don't ever see any signs of her sickness that to the audience says, Oh, there's something really wrong with her because she goes, I think it was such an abrupt change. Or, you know, she's not feeling the greatest, but you know, she just cooked for the whole family. It's hot whatever she goes and lays down and just rests, and then she's thinking about her life and then you come from that beautiful song and i love the song and the story and everything that it showed and then after it was over she's gone mm-hmm. it just felt like we needed to see more as an audience to really connect to abuela claudia because if this if you don't know the show and this is your first time seeing it you don't know why she's so important to the family what? if you don't get other than those two or three scenes they're in any type of she's the matriarch of this family. She is really what keeps them all together. She's this powerhouse. You don't get that. Well, and that was one of the most when the and I get that they couldn't do all of the songs because it's a movie. I mean, it's only it's already two and a half hours of a show. I mean, true, and they didn't cut that many. And they so did, yeah. the fact that they cut um, Nina's song. So the whole movie, we're basically being told, Abuela Claudia is very important to us. She's very important to us. She's very important to us. And as an audience, we're just supposed to believe everyone right. that says that. And then there's a song that illustrates it. And like uh, Nina goes through, like, it's not her grandmother. And she puts a star in the yearbook. And like, she's kept every program that she's ever done. And like, that song just demonstrates how infused she was to the entire community. And then they just cut it and mm-hmm. used it as underscoring. It just didn't really. Just, and then you go to, like, that was the point that you do it. Everyone is sad and depressed and, you know, in the beginning, the whole beginning of um, uh, Carnaval de Barrio doesn't make sense <laughs> because they never explained why she mattered so much. 
yes, it's hot. And yes, she just died. And so everyone is miserable for those two reasons. But the whole argument that she starts out with as she starts that song is like, Abuela Claudia is gone, but her memory lives on forever. But we don't know why. And it doesn't explain it at all. So it's like really rushed and weird. It was just weird. Yeah. Well, and, and the great and to make to reinforce my point, Nina's song was so great because she starts very, very insulated with how Abuela uh, Claudia like took care of her. And mm-hmm. then as the song progresses, you see the whole community like she's able mm-hmm. to talk about how everyone was impacted by her. And then the, then the setup for the carnival makes a little bit more sense. Um, but yeah, no, in the movie, it kind of just felt like the old lady down the street died and now everyone's depressed because we didn't yeah. see right anything else. I, there are some lyric changes that I also was like, why are we changing that? And not that like Usnavi has a lyric about breadcrumbs in her hands, but we never got the scene before where she went out and fed the birds. Mm. So we don't, we don't get that. Like, I mean, there were a couple of things that I was like, Lin-Manuel is a very creative writer and, and rapper. Like, you couldn't come up with another rhyme for hands. Like, we couldn't do, like, <laughs> was, like there's nothing else that we could have done there. Um, so, I don't know. And, and, like I said, it's very it's really enjoyable. Like, everyone should, everyone should see it because it's a good movie. And to support John Chu, who's a diverse director, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, and the screenwriter, who I forget her name, but I think it's one of her first, if not second or third movies. Um, but she was the book writer for the musical. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a completely diverse production staff. So, screenwriter Kiara Alegria Ude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, she talks screen stage to screen changes. I would have. I don't know. I I almost want to see. I almost would have preferred to see it as like they did with Hamilton. You know, let's stage the production on stage and record it like that and release that rather than the cinematic difference. I don't think that there was anything tremendous in the film that they did that said, okay, this makes sense to have it only as a movie instead of having done a stage production. Other than you can fit more people on a set doing the dancing, choreography, and singing. Yeah. You know, other than that and the random cinematic stuff that we talked about earlier with this walking on the building and the stuff with the graffiti while they were walking through 96,000, it just, I don't know. It, it, I don't know if really anything that convinced me it, it couldn't have been a recorded stage production. I So this is, I liked it for a couple of reasons that it was a movie and not the, just a stage production. I thought the use of extras and the background actors and mm-hmm. it was the first movie I saw that took place in New York where the city, like the streets felt Look like New York, New York. like right. people walking by, right. like it felt real. Um, and two, like the dinner scene and like the inside of the bodega, I'm a, I'm a white guy from central Pennsylvania. Those kind of dinner scenes that was on a stage show, you never are going to get that authenticity. Sure. I think that was really great exposure and mainstream um, exposure. I mean, it was just a really nice look into something completely foreign to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean foreign as in ethnicity, but foreign, just like unfamiliar and uncommon. Um, but should be common. Like those scenes should be just as mainstream as every 90s sitcom. 
like those those dinner table scenes should look right as familiar. So I, I that's why I liked it. I I liked it more than just staging or filming the stage version because the actors were and I don't mean authentic because we can talk about colorism then about Anthony and all of that. But um, I thought the set dressing and the scene design and all of that just really felt real. Like I loved the and little I, details. I can definitely appreciate that also. And I, I guess I see from both sides where, oh, cool. where the difference is. But, I, you know, from the one point, you do get that kind of authentic, like this is really how people are living. I mean, obviously people aren't on stage. And so you do get to see the bodega. You do get to, because for a lot of people who don't live in the city, they don't know what a bodega is. We don't have corner stores like that in central Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you want to get that experience, you need to go there or else you have to watch it somehow. And I do think you're right. You know, a movie, if you want to say, hey, this new movie came out, let's go watch it. That's much more digestible and approachable for a lot of people than, hey, this musical just came out. You want to go see a musical with me? I think that that term musical turns a lot of people off to the idea. And so I can I can see how that might have been more approachable from a directorial standpoint um, sure. or accessible for the general public. So my so I mean, I'm going to jump right into the, the colorism conversation. Yeah. Um, and this is a question for both of you, more or less. One overall, what, what watch? Did you see in the heights in the in the movies, or did you watch it on HBO? HBO, HBO. Okay, so sitting there, this is the it was. I mean, it lends on record saying like I wrote in the heights because there wasn't a musical that I could star in right. other than Bernardo and West Side Story. Like right. that quote is like there was one role that I could play in my youth, and that was it. Um, so what was that like for you to sit there and and see representation? And then we can talk about authentic representation versus not, because obviously that's come up and Lynn's kind of addressed it. Um, but what what was that like? Because it had to mean something. Cheney, do you want to go first? No, you're good. So um, this is a conversation. That I literally just had this conversation with my assistant principal the other day. Um and it it stems from those videos that we were talking about at the beginning. Um, you know, as we, and we've talked about this, I think Kara, we talked about this with Kara. Um, we talked a little bit about this um, on our first episode together. But in terms of representation, I think it's always important for people to see themselves in the things that they are partaking in. And representation matters, right? So when we only see you know, Hispanics or um uh, African-Americans portrayed as all the negative things that we see them as in a lot of film, movie, TV. Um, you know, it's it's so great to show a story that is so authentic to the Latinx community, right? Because we have all of these struggles and all of these things that are happening that people who grow up in that area, people that grew up in the streets of New York, people that are immigrants, people who you know, have families that operate similarly, they see themselves as, you know, that's my story on screen. That's it's me getting to live out that opportunity. And some of the discussion that I was having was just as you said, you know, as Lynn says, there are no shows written for me or there were no, the majority, especially of the golden age of Broadway, you know, what is what made Broadway so popular 
none of those shows were written specifically to have someone like me as the lead of that show. And so there are very few shows that showcase those stories. You get the color purple, you have dream girls, you have, you know, the new one, we got Tuna Turner. We have, you know, we have some newer shows that are coming out that are showing uh, and showcasing black leads, but from older Broadway, especially, you know, if we want to get a role, we have to find a director who's willing to take that chance and potentially upset someone because you never know. You know, people get upset about the stupidest things and about fictional characters being cast as a different race than, you know, like uh, Hallie or Haley. I'm not sure how you pronounce her first name. Bailey playing the Little Mermaid uh, yeah. is upsetting people because you know mermaids are real. And so because it really matters whether it's a white woman or a black woman who plays them, you know? Um, and so you have to run that risk and unless you're going to have a director who is doing a show, you know, like the West Side Story that requires you to have a certain uh, a genre of people, it's wrong word, but uh, a certain group of people or, or, you know, so I applaud Lin-Manuel and I love that even in Hamilton, which is not a white or not a, not a Hispanic or black um, story, but he made it for, you know, us or for them. And so I applaud him for both of those things. And I just love that um, a lot of people now are going to be able to see themselves in roles that they never thought they would be able to see themselves. Yeah. Cheney. <laughs> what he said. I don't, I don't, yeah, but Chini, you had to feel since so. I mean, did has Ruby made you sit through movie musicals before? Yeah, because so you like performing, and like we're all performers here. Every movie musical I sit through, Chicago, Hairspray, whatever, I always go, oh, I could play that part, or oh, I'd love to play that part. Mm-hmm. That'd be the part, and like I have the extreme. Um, privilege of thank you that was the word i was looking for i almost said luxury and it's not a luxury privilege of every every movie musical that's ever been made i can find a role for me right without even without even watching it i can probably look at the cover of the movie and go that one mm-hmm. and what Aubin just said is absolutely true all of those directors of those movies had the chance there's there's nothing in chicago that says billy flynn has to be a caucasian actor Billy right. Flynn could be an amazing African American actor or a Latino actor, but we got Richard Gere and he was fine as as Billy Flynn. When you had um oh why am I blanking on his name? He was in Rent and he's married to Idina Menzel. Um Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs was in that movie right there playing the pit orchestra guy who would have been an amazing Billy Flynn. Yeah, he was in that movie. Crazy. So, like, there had to be, like, a sense of, like, you watching In the Heights going, I could play that role. Or, like, I could be that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess it was I guess it was there. Uh, you know, because representing the Puerto Rican flag and all that stuff. So, I thought it was really cool that they did that. And it's just, like, I don't know. It, it felt like... I, I guess, for lack of a better word, or unless this is just the word that I'm looking for, proud that I could, you know, of, like, where I come from and all that stuff. And, like, and, and so that's, where, that's mainly what I got from it. And I, like, I really enjoyed it. I didn't really see, like, you know, because I mean, obviously I can't. 
And if I ever, like, if there's ever, like, a thing for In the Heights, I'm like, oh, I could play that role because I'm Hispanic. And it's like, I'm capable of it. Um, I don't know. And there was no there was no role that I was like, oh, I could play that. Now, here's a, here's a question to offshoot that. Let's take the movie musical idea out of it and just look, Cheney, you went to film school, you are you are an actor, period, right? Mm -hmm. you're, it's not necessarily musical theater, it's not your niche per se, but you're an actor. What's your favorite movie in the whole world? Favorite movie you've ever seen? Preferably one that has humans and not characters. <laughs> um, favorite human movie? Mm. <laughs> Hilarious way to describe it. Is it my <laughs> I don't know, I'll probably say one of the Spider-Man movies. Okay, because I I don't really watch like. So know. so let's let's take it there because we you can have the conversation there also. Yeah. When when before Miles Morales before Into the Spider Verse, did you ever watch a Spider Man cartoon or a Spider Man on TV and say, "Wow, I could do that. That could be me." Yeah, I even watching Peter Parker, I'd be like, "Yeah, I would love to be Spider Man." But the thing is, like, I don't know. Because I've always been like, oh, I would love to be, before knowing Miles Morales, I've always, always like, oh, I would love to be Spider-Man. And like, mm, I don't know if I ever thought Peter Parker. Like, I never thought of it that way of like, I would love to play Spider-Man, but I'm not, I'm not white like Peter Parker. And I think that, I mean, I think what, and I, I, I've had this in a couple, because I get to interact with a whole bunch of different ages, which is nice as CTL. Um and I think Cheney's right. I think Cheney might have always think thought he could do it. Because mm. Cheney, how old are your like parents? Uh Ruby, help him out if you need to. I think, well, I think my mom's 42 now, like my dad's like I really, I really think, and Aubin, I think we might have been the last not generation, but the last like age like mm. that grew up. Mm. And not that like our parents didn't tell us we could be anything we want, but we really grew up going, Oh, I can't do that. Right. Like, there are still things that like that's a good point, Seth. Like I think, like in my personal life or in um, my professional life, I grew up and and I was told by my parents, by my pastor, by older cousins, there were certain things that I could not do. And then society on top of that, I've always been, I've always been heavier. So I, I'm ingrained looking at musicals, going, I could never play the lead. Like when a casting gets posted, I don't even look at the guy, the first guy, like two or three guys down. And then I go, oh, I can do that. The funny sidekick. And that's still my mentality when I first, and, it, and yeah. the same, like when I was watching a movie, like um, I, when I watch Iron Man, I never go, oh, I can play Iron Man. I always go, yeah. I could play happy. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like that's where my brain goes. And I think really, the like the the people ten years before us who were raising kids when we were going into our teenagers really did a great job because even in like the high schoolers nowadays they're seeing all the wrongs in the world so early mm -hmm. that there's a big kind of middle finger to everything and a giant like I can do anything I want um, which is cool and great but I think some things are lost like because um, I think this movie and the musical when it came out in '09 were a giant giant world shaker i mean they were like heights when it opened had to fight to stay on broadway like it had to do everything it could like there's he like lynn made viral videos he pulled in that's why him, him and jonathan groth got so close 
because mm. Jonathan Groff were use, was using his power from Spring Awakening and telling people to go back to the show right. and see the show and like he needed a little white kid to help him like right. which was sad like it's a brilliant musical like I think I still put this musical up against Hamilton any day of the week and I I listened in the heights. We'll have that conversation in a second. <laughs> but I, you know, and this goes from personal introspection and looking at all of the shows that I've done and ones that I want to do. Even so, for example, at CTL um, yep. last season, you did Sweeney Todd. I auditioned looking at the cast list saying, there's no one in this cast written for me. Mm-hmm. So which part can I audition for where I have a chance that someone might say, you know what? He could do that. And for example, if I were to go audition for Phantom of the Opera, now it's Phantom, right? But in the movie, the Phantom is a white guy. You can't really sing. Well, that's a whole other story. Um, and we, you know, we've seen Ramin Karamalu, who is not white. He played, you know, Phantom. But until then, you know, is someone are they are you ready for a phantom that is not white? When I think of Phantom, I saw him. I saw Norm Lewis. He oh, was, I'm sure he was phenomenal. He forgot the words. He's I almost wanted my money back. He's he's been in so many shows that he's got them all. They were all just, just he's ready to sing Agwe at a at a moment's notice. So he's <laughs> anytime. Well, like we we were very excited because and this is this is how sad it was. It was I was in college. And that show's been running for th- three decades, two decades, and it's taken that long for the first non-white Phantom. Yeah. Like, yeah. when was the first non-white Christine? Mm. Oh wow! Like, like didn't Aud- did Audra um, what's her last name? Did she McDonald's? play Christine ever? Yeah, I don't think so. I'm gonna look at her discography. There, she'd be great. I love me some Audra. Um, I was just gonna mention the show, but I, I just now I'm thinking it's been done. Um, what was it? Well, so here's here's an example. Here's an example, and this goes off of the point you made earlier. We're producing Ragtime this coming season. Mm-hmm. We were looking at a different title before that, not for that slot, but just for the season. Um, and I guess I can talk about that. We were we were I was looking at Parade, which is a Jason Robert Brown show about. Mm-hmm. 50 years after the end of the civil war, basically. And it's about a whole other thing, but that's the time period. And quite frankly, it had to come off the list because all of the men needed had to be like, if we're being truthful to the story and this is as a producer where I get into like a mind debate, if you're being truthful to the story and the historical accuracies, all of those roles, the governor, the judge, the cops are all Caucasian. And there are roles specifically written for diverse characters, but they're stereotypical slave, like not slaves, but servants and, and house and house guests. Mm -hmm. And for me, how do I, and how does as an organization CTL produce something where, and actually Aubin, I thought of you because I went, how do I, let's say I can't cast this show. How do I call Aubin and say, Hey Aubin, I need you to audition for this show. But literally, the only roles you can do are servant roles. Like that's absolutely asinine. And so I was like, I can't. Like we can't. We can't do that. Like I'd much rather produce something where ragtime, where I feel like 
the three stories in the three main stories in that show all get equal stage time and all right. are community driven from different races. Right. So yeah. Audrey McDonald did not play Christine, but I'm just trying to figure out who was and if there was. There has to be. I would be the first the first non white Christine in Phantom of the Opera. Cheney, you talk while we search. I will not. <laughs> I don't know that there. I don't think there ever has been. There has been. Was there a black Christine in Phantom of the Opera? Lucy St. Louis. Okay, there has been. But I don't think on Broadway. Oh, no. Not true. Allie. Ewalt. Do you know that name? I'm looking. It was 2016. She was the first non-white. Oh, there she is. But she's also not white. She is is Asian American. Yeah, she's Asian American. Filipino mother and a Caucasian father. So even there, okay, let me see. First black performer to play the role of Christine in the West End or on Broadway. So Lucy St. Louis was the first black performer to play the role of Christine. And that was, oh, let's see. And she's not even, she's not even listed on the, not that we go by Wikipedia, but she's not even listed. She's not, and neither is Lucy St. Louis. Well, uh, Lucy St. Louis is not on there. No. I did see a, um, Allie is. Allie is. Yeah, Lucy St. Louis is not listed. And this article is from this this year. Broadway.com. Lucy St. Louis and Reese Whitfield joined Killian Donnelly in London Return of the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. So it's not even on Broadway. It was. It's in the West End. My wife is calling. Okay. Hello, wife. Hello. Hey, I am filming Afro Latinos right now. Can I call you back? Hello. Oh. Hi, Marissa. I don't get good service. Let me text her. And actually, so you saw Norm Lewis as uh, I saw Norm in Sierra Bogus. So Norm Lewis in 2014 was the first black actor to play Phantom. Yeah, and that's honestly we got our tickets because we knew we knew it was going to be like. Um, him and he was the first one, and it was this big deal, blah, blah 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 blah. And he was amazing. He's an amazing performer. Um, he forgot the words to "Music of the Night," which is the fan of biggest song, but it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm over it. I'm completely done. I can fine. clearly see that. I did. I saw Ramin in. Uh, He's Les amazing. Mis. I saw him in Les Mis. On He's Broadway. amazing. But it does bring an interesting discussion of you know how long have some of these shows. You you would have thought that at some point in the history of Phantom that before 2014 there has been a black Phantom, or before uh, Ali there was a first non-white Phantom or, or non-white Christine. Like the how has it gone this long? But I think that it, it's one of two things: one, they are simply not being cast, or two, the actors themselves are too afraid to to try it. Because I would feel too afraid to try it to say they're just. The audience simply would not be ready or prepared for that that conversation. Well, and from a, a producer standpoint, 
I can't, and I'm trying really hard, I can't name a performer of Norm Lewis's caliber that's older than Norm Lewis. So if I have this really expensive musical that I need to keep running, I'm going to just keep plugging in mm-hmm. big names and keep it running. And Norm Lewis is a big name that I can buy three months off of sure. in, in, in ticket sales. So it makes sense from that standpoint of that there's never been one because there's never been a, uh, an actor of that race that hard to sell tickets, yeah. which is the whole of oh, that's then that's on top of, on top of the, just the molecular problem of the show. That's a industry problem then of absolutely how, how oppressive have we been to every other race other than Caucasians for so long that it's taken. How long has Broadway been a thing? Almost yeah. over a hundred years of, producing shows with just white people. And I was going to even say that from an actor's perspective, even if I were to go and this, was, I, I, the reason I didn't bring it up earlier was because it's happened and I realized that it happened, but I was thinking newer musicals that have come out, you know, Dear Evan Hansen before, um, now his name is Casey, Jordan Fisher, mm-hmm. you know, Dear, Dear Evan Hansen was Ben Platt, you know, that's no offense to Ben Platt. You're phenomenal, but that's about as white as white can get. Um, he gets you know, me for a run for the money. Now, <laughs> um, why does his name keep disappearing in my head? Jordan Fisher is phenomenal. He's great. Yeah. It makes sense that you put him in that role. But for, it, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in that plastic room and say, like, was that a topic of conversation? Is the audience ready to see a non-Ben Platt play Darren Hansen? Yeah. And I think, uh, I think they are. Like, I don't. I, I think, think I feel like Gary Hansen like the whole other conversation onto itself with with the 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 father producer and I think Ben's very talented. I don't personally like Ben Platt. I know that's like how to make theater people angry one on one is like say you don't like Ben Platt, but I think I think the guy sings with his eyes closed way too much. Um and so it just bother, like I don't know, I just don't like his voice. Um however I get that he originated the role. He gets to do it on film. Uh, yeah, but there's so many people who have come it's out. That it, it doesn't make any sense. But, well, that's a conversation. Especially for the, the CGI face and all that. Nonsense. Oh, my God. Really? Like, come on. I mean, the guy that we saw, because we, we saw it on Broadway a couple years ago, um, and we did not. We saw the understudy. We did not even see. Okay. It was not Ben Platt. He was well off the role by that point. Um, but whomever the person was supposed to be playing Evan, we, we saw his understudy. And and he was interesting. Yeah. Um, he was really trying to push that wave into the window. I think he was trying to break the glass every time he was trying to say it because um, he was really pushing to get it out. But even anyone who was currently playing the role of Heaven Hansen could have easily stepped in because they probably all look younger than Ben Platt because he's not old, but, you know, yeah, maybe too old to be playing a high schooler. Yeah. So here's my next question. As so we were talking about the the um, colorism mm-hmm. and and specifically Anthony mm-hmm. being of the wrong nationality and playing a Dominican for on let's go like down down a couple like steps like Broadway or regional or community theaters how how offensive is that I mean I get that it's very it's it's wrong to do if you can't do that but does that mean like I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to phrase the question. Um, Vermont theaters, are they stuck just doing, and I don't talk, I'm not talking about like the cringy white 
than the heights that you see on TikTok because that's just I'm offended by that as a theater creator. I want to know who that director was and why they stopped caring. It's awful because but like, even, but then, you know what's really bad. All of those parents showed so much love to that. I, I, they really did. They, they those parents, you know, after that performance, thought it was the best thing they've ever seen because they've never listened to the actual product. They don't know what it was supposed to sound like. Yeah, even it's not even just the actors that were so offensive. Even though it it was, I mean, borderline tempo, everything was just horrendous. The orchestration was so bad. I just wanted them to I wanted them to stop playing and just buy the canned music. Because again, you're not more than likely, especially in a high school theater production, which I'm sure that was, mm-hmm. you are more than likely not going to you're going to be able to find a percussionist who can play great music. But are they going to be able to replicate the sounds of a Latino drummer, the congos, the bongo, all of those sounds, the guida, that all of those no. instruments that are that are ingrained in the culture of the Hispanic community are they essential? That and if not, please do not do it. Just get the canned music. It's going to sound just as it's going to sound exactly better. Like it needs sound to better. Be. And they won't be able to mess it up. Well, yes, they can, but they have <laughs> of messing it up because it's all already there for you. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that it is. And what? I don't know. I don't know where my. I don't know what my question is. Rather than just uh, a talking discussion of, is there eventually going to be a list? And I don't think there is. And I don't think it's ever going to get to that because I think each theater is going to be determined by their community and their community right. makeup. But I mean. Williamsport is predominantly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Like Cumming County is predominantly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So does that mean our season needs to look predominantly Caucasian? Or are there shows that we can take risk on? And are there not even risk? Are there shows that we can open up opportunities for and 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 produce? We got into a I mean, Aubin, you bailed us out because we got into a bind with Driving Miss Daisy. Um, because we were bound and determined to produce. It's a great work. It's a great title. We wanted that story to be told. Mm-hmm. We felt like it was an important story at the time. Um, and we didn't have an actor. So, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know where I was going with that. I've never been in. I was very nervous for that show. And you, you crushed it. I mean, Samuel and Travis were like off book by the time that I had joined. And some like. <laughs> But and then you had to play it. I think that the last two seasons at CTL have proven that it can be done because there were shows that were risks. I mean, in reality, driving Miss Daisy in Williamsport is a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, West Side Story in Williamsport is a risk. To Kill a Mockingbird in in uh, what Williamsport is a risk. Um, because there are certain roles that are written for certain people. And I think, I think it is less offensive for Anthony Ramos, who is a Puerto Rican male to be playing a Dominican male than it would be for Jim Rothermel from down the street in Williamsport coming in and trying to play that role. Well, so, and that's, I think that's my question. If it's a, if it's an SAT comparison of Anthony Ramos playing Usnavi, Mm -hmm. To 
I'm a Swedish descent mm-hmm. playing an English guy. Mm-hmm. Two different countries, two mm-hmm. different continents. Is that are here's, those comparable? Here's what I think. I think there are two spheres of people who will react to that. Mm-hmm. One who will say there is absolutely no reason you could not find a a Dominican actor to play a Dominican role. Yep. Or, for example, uh, there's no reason why you could not have found an Englishman to have played this English character. You yep. picked Swede because that was your choice. There's there's no excuse for that. But then there's there's another realm of thought that says you kept it in the community or, you know, these these countries maybe have re- related so much and are so similar that or these these cultures are so similar like like Ireland and in England, right? They're yeah. two countries that are very similar. They're still in the same in under the United Kingdom mantra, um, but they're very different culturally. You know, they're close enough that I, I don't think it would cause so much offense as if it was like, um, I don't know, someone from Japan who was playing an Irishman. Because yeah. then you get into... A lot of stereotypical accents and things that you think or from their experience with this type of person, you know, I have to do X, Y, Z when really it's not necessary. We just want you to put on the show. Um, so I think that there are two, two nobody's ever going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never going to to appease everyone. And so it's it's at the director's discretion to really say, what line am I willing to cross? And do I really think that that is okay? I think that there are some that 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 could. Even in West Side Story, I was nervous to be in West Side Story because I was like, I mean, where are we going to find all the Hispanic casting to to be able to give the sharks what they need? But I am less offended by a, a person of color playing a Hispanic person than I am of a non-Hispanic person playing or a non-person of color. Um, playing that role. Well, I was, uh, some that will disagree heavily, but I, so I, I just think it depends. I was a big advocate for even in the production meetings leading up to West Side Story casting that there's nothing that says Tony and um, some of the Jets aren't African American. Mm-hmm. That there's a there's a there's a very strong line written into that show. That the sharks are Puerto Rican, like that's the problem. Like it's not just a skin tone thing; it's a right. very deliberate. You're yes. from this island, and you're immigrating into our land. Yes. Um. So I was a, I, and I still am a big advocate that I think that's a that's a really strong story to see, mm-hmm. even if it might not be Tony, because maybe you want maybe you want that because he does have some lines referring to not Ireland, but. Irish and and there's some jokes involving that, but I I think there's a really strong story. Even Doc, that if Doc is an African American, I think that's a different whole different story, and I think that's really interesting to, to so look at. Definitely very interesting casting choice that would be yeah. made, and it would it would definitely change it. Just like with with in the Heights, you know, it's so interesting how one change like that can change an entire dynamic. And I think that in the Heights, it changed the entire dynamic for those characters, but in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you, if you're going to be 
taking that risk, you have to be ready for the repercussions. Well, and what what it made what your answer made it sound like was it all comes down to respect. Absolutely, it all, it all comes down to as a production, are you respecting the character and and everything that that character represents for everyone? Because it, it's going to represent to Cheney differently to you differently mm-hmm. to me. And mm-hmm. is everyone going to look at that character and not and not take away just a stereotype, but rather see a full fleshed out right? respectable character. And that's what, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I, I think that, that, that's all that it boils down to at the end of the day is, are you respecting, are you respecting the director in, or the, the writer and what their intent was? Are you trying to, and we have to be also careful. And this is tough in the theater world, especially because each director is going to interpret something differently, mm-hmm. uh, but the writer wrote it the way they did for a reason. Um, not necessarily casted it for a reason, but for West Side Story, they wrote it so that the Puerto Rican storyline was a point of tension in the story. Mm-hmm. So your casting decisions as a director have to reflect the writer's intention and in that you're not trying to change the story and you're not trying to put your own thoughts and your own opinions about this into something that is not your work to do. Absolutely. It's like when people don't read the the um, requirements for um, like MTI or if you're renting a show from MTI and getting those rights. Like there, it, it tells you, depending on the show, you are not allowed to change this, 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 and this, but they just ignore it and try and do it anyway. Well, well and, it's, and it's not funny. It's always, I always find it enlightening, especially because I know they talk to the writer. In those contracts, there's specifically you can't change the race of this character. Mm-hmm. So sex is al- almost always listed for all the characters, but then there are some characters. Morales in a chorus line has to be a person of color, or else her story doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there's it, it's always, and then there's others that it doesn't they don't write, and you kind of think that that's an odd choice, but right, yeah, and it, it's it's like. In Once on this Island, which will forever be one of my favorite musicals, and I hope to God one day I can play that show again. Um, that show, the traditional storyline of that show is written for a racial um, tension mm-hmm. between the cast. You have the white aristocratic people and then the dark-skinned Timun. You have the black story happening. And so there's that intentional tension written into that production. Yeah. But in the licensing of that show, it gives you the ability to change if you do not have the cast to do a white show or or white versus person of color show. It can be written as class, right? You can show this as rich versus poor, and then you can do pretty much whatever you want from that standpoint. And there are changes that can be made. But again, the writer knew that that was going to take place and allowed for it to happen because at the end of the day, you're not changing a ton of the story. The integrity stays relatively um, intact. And, and so it, but it depends. It depends on the show. Well, I think that shows a great example of the storyline. And it's just what you said. The storyline is not dependent. If you make those allowable changes, mm-hmm. the story is such a strong story, regardless mm-hmm. of that tension, right? That, it's suitable. I've always made um, the argument that the Wiz feels the same way. That that the the 
the story of Wizard of Oz and the telling within the Wiz isn't dependent on the race of the characters as much as Ragtime or, or mm-hmm. Dream Girls or something like that. Um, Although that one's an interesting one because you do have, especially if I'm remembering Scarecrow, no, not Scarecrow, Tin Man specifically has a lot of dialogue that's that written, yeah, very, very um, African American vernacular English. It's yes. very, very. It's like uh, an airplane. You know, he's speaking jive. Do you speak jive? Yeah. So you have like you have this almost like booby trap of the authors going, "You can cast whoever you want," and then you read it and you go, "Oh no, I can't." Right. Right, that delivered wrong is offensive to everyone. Oh, absolutely, not just not absolutely. just audiences of African Americans, but mm-hmm. everyone. And and you also have a movie that's so beloved, especially by the African American society, and it's so well known by everyone mm-hmm. with African Americans in the roles that it becomes this thing of, this is what you're used to. These are the people I have, but we want to tell the story because we feel like it needs to be told. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the shortening of the name is is not even calling the Wiz as opposed to the Wizard is inherently non. Yeah. You know, so it's a very interesting show to to cast because you do have to be cognizant of the fact that there's going to be some things in here that you, you got to be careful. Well, and that's always. And in the last couple of seasons, we've made the conscious effort, at least the CTL, to color blind was the that was the buzzword for a while. Um, and about the last five years, it's really just been like overused, using correctly, and just kind of like a blanket excuse. Um, well, and, it, and, and actually, there's a very problematic thought process that goes into colorblind casting. Yeah, because we want to see everyone. We want we we don't want you to be blind to the fact that I am black. I want you to cast me because of my talent, yeah. not because of. My, I want you to see me and say, "Okay, yes, he is black, but he also has the abilities, the talents to do this role." So it's colorblind, but that term is inherently problematic. Yeah. So it's color, like, color conscience is what we've been what we've been yeah. using mainly yeah. because I and I think we're talking about the same article. Um, depending on the storyline, there are some stories that are still being produced um, that we're kind of weaning away from, mm-hmm. but that are dependent on the race of the actor or the race of the actress to tell the story correctly. Um, but really, we're looking for new works or even newer age works where everything is open and it's kind of a free ball game throughout. It's, um, it's, it's always in, like if you think of like. Aida, like how many times has Aida been done with with, with the cast that, that, that represents the culture of the? I mean, Aida is what set in Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I mean, last time I checked, Egypt was in Africa. So you're gonna get one of two one of two predominantly uh, groups of people. You are going to get Middle Eastern complexion, or you are going to get. Uh, not sub-Saharan, but you're going to get Saharan African complexion. And how many times has that show been done and been done casted with people who would be from that region? You know yeah. what I mean? So it, And again, I think that even is a more <laughs> casting it correctly makes it a more interesting story oh, absolutely. than seeing 
because it's going to be real to those yeah. people. Yeah. Whoever that culture is, that is their story. It's their family. It's their bloodline. And it's going to mean more to them as a performer. And it's not just words on the page. And, you, you know, so it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Jamie, how are you doing over there? You surviving? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging hanging in there. there. Taking it all in? Yep. <laughs> My computer's going to die in four minutes, Shaney, so don't worry. We, we, we can wrap up. Um, we've talked about a, a lot and probably went farther than even I thought I did. So with the last four minutes that we have, really quick, Hamilton or In the Heights, what is your pick? Shaney, we'll start with you since you haven't said much. Hold on. So movie, yeah. movie or sound, movie soundtrack or mm, overall, overall. Okay. In the Heights or Hamilton, Cheney. Rewatchability for you. What is the more palatable show for you? Uh, I I would say Hamilton right now because I don't know In the Heights that well, but I think eventually if I keep like watching and listening to In the Heights, I would probably say In the Heights just because it would probably mean more to me than what Hamilton does. Seth? Hamilton, or In the Heights. Anyway. I, I agree. I think there's the, the music, not that I don't appreciate hip-hop, which is main, I mean, and it's, it's In the Heights is still hip-hop because Lin-Manuel, that's what he does, but it's hip-hop plus reggaeton Latin. There's a lot of Caribbean stuff in this. They're, they're, I was like, <laughs> like, like that style that's of music is much more interesting to me than Hamilton's music was to me. I I think, and this is not to, I think Hamilton's genius. I think they deserved every recognition they got. Sure. Blanket statement, great. I think In the Heights is a much better representation of all of those music genres mm-hmm. infused with classical musical theater. So I agree. So, Cheney, what you should do, and I, you probably won't, but what you should do anyway, um, is listen to the full soundtrack of In the Heights yes. rather than watching the movie. Because in Hamilton, in the production you see on Disney+, Plus, you get the whole soundtrack. You're not missing anything. You're not missing anything from the story. You're not missing anything at all. But because there were so many cuts and edits to In the Heights, the movie versus the soundtrack, to get the really, to really understand why in the heights is so different and why most of the conversation that we had is so different you have to take it in in its entirety from start to finish it, really is, it is a really long soundtrack there's a lot of songs but it is incredibly encapsulating you're so right Alvin. i probably won't but i try though <laughs> if you have a long drive i recommend broadway backstory oh i've i've listened to that podcast well, before. i think his computer must have just died or his wife just died. Broadway Backstory. They have talked. I think Broadway Backstory has done a podcast on In the Heights and on um, Hamilton. I'm going to I'm going to text him the link to this so he can join on his phone quick. <laughs> He's out. He just texted me. He said uh, Broadway Backstory podcast. That's what I was plugging. The In the Heights episode is fantastic. Let's see. Um, I'm going to see if I can get him back on real quick. Um, <laughs> Didn't he join from his phone already? So that means he shouldn't have it. Uh, I think he had switched from probably maybe a desktop to a laptop. Is that? <clears throat> oh, that's his old one. Yeah, first 
All right, but just in case um, he doesn't, he's not able to come back and join. Uh, Seth was plugging uh, the In the Heights uh, episode of Broadway Backstory. I did listen to it. It's actually incredible. Uh, so if you don't have time for that, Cheney, you don't have time to listen to the soundtrack, at least listen to that. It'll t- talk about a lot of stuff. It's really good. Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. You know what? On the ride home on Friday? I'm no, 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 no. Well, the whole time, the whole ride. I'm going to make it extra long, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a I'm wrong. I'm going to take Ox, and I'm gonna, we're going to play... Uh... I'm going to BTS. We'll be I'm all right. Long turn somewhere, and then we're going to end up being stuck so in the middle of nowhere. All right. So, this has been another episode of Afro Latinos. Uh, great conversation. Thank you so much to Seth Spawnhouse for joining us. Um, although his computer died and he wasn't able to stay, um, we appreciate her for him for joining us. Uh, her for him for joining us? You know, I've just been talking a lot. My tongue is tired. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Uh, reminder that we will see you only one more time. I actually, by the time that this episode airs, uh, you will not see us for a week. Um, we are off next week, um, and then come back the week after. So we will see you all, um, in two weeks. This has been your co-host, Aubin. And your co-host, Chandler. Every week.